1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in Christ Jesus, the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. The day my mind is alert, my spirit is receptive. As I'm taught the Word of God, my life is changed for the better, and I will never be the same again. Amen. You may be seated. If you're joining us online, be sure to click share. Glad to have you. We'd love to have you in person any Sunday morning or Wednesday evening. Our series has been taking action today for a better tomorrow. And, you know, it's amazing how fast time goes by. But over a decade ago, Pastor Sue, on a Sunday morning, did a message on crazy faith. And my father had made a note of that, had meant to listen to it. And he asked if she would actually redo that message as a part of this series. But she says she's busy with girl talk and family things. And I know my birthday's coming up. She's planning something special, right? Amen. So my father and I are just going to do our best today and the next few Sundays. But that is a phenomenal message that she did in 2009, and it's on the app. The audio is on the app. We're going to work on loading the video this week, and it's all in just one message. So I would encourage you to download that, to listen to that. It'll encourage you. Amen. Taking action today for a better tomorrow, and today's message is entitled Crazy Faith. Faith, as we have learned, is fundamental. It is essential. But faith is not all there is. Action is required. And that's why so often we define faith as taking action on the Word of God. Our launching scripture has been Ephesians 3, beginning in verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Say, say within me. According to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. So our Heavenly Father is able to do immeasurably more. But we also have a part to play. We have to do our part. We have to take action. We have to demonstrate faith in God and faith in His Word. In the Gospels, the disciples asked Jesus about the end. And they asked, them, they asked Jesus to tell them what would be the signs of the end. And He told them that, the signs of the end would include famine, earthquakes, plagues, pestilence, and that these things would increase as we get closer to the end. He also said that there would be wars and rumors of war. 
And of course, you turn on the news, we see this in real time. And uh, if you're not tuned into the reality of the days in which we're living, you need to be. Jesus said there would be wars and there would be rumors of war, yet he said the end is still to come. Elsewhere, he said, let not your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Trust in Father God. Trust also in me. And elsewhere, when speaking of the end, he said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Say, faith. When the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Say it again. Say, faith. And I think this is one of the things that the last two years has demonstrated, is that people have faith in all kinds of things. People have faith in government. People have faith in politicians. People have faith in man. People have faith in government appointed figures. People have faith in the little Etsy, the mask, the cloth mask they bought off Etsy. People have faith in all kinds of things. But do they have faith in God? And do they have faith in his word? And so today's message, we won't finish it today. We're going to deal with the next few weeks, and that is having crazy faith. Tell your neighbor, say, have crazy faith. Tell your other neighbor, say, have crazy faith. Now, I realize that the world may think we're nuts. The world may call us crazy. But in 2022, it's the world that is crazy. To live boldly for God in these days and to walk in righteousness and holiness, to live by faith and not by sight, you got to have crazy faith. And you got to be willing for the world to think you're a little crazy. But to be crazy in God is the right thing. To be crazy in faith is the right thing. In the midst of all that has gone on in the world, in the midst of it all, God has blessed us, God has protected us, God has favored us, and why is that? It's because we have crazy faith. You know, one of my life scriptures has been Matthew 9 and verse 29. Jesus said, according to your faith, will it be done unto you? You often hear us say that God will meet you at whatever level you believe him at. When we were getting everybody ready this morning, and Jessica was getting Emily ready, and I, I was helping Jessica out, so I was holding Emily, and, and you're always wondering what could happen with the child remember one Sunday morning, I think I was holding Julia. She was a baby, trying to help, had a white dress shirt on, holding her. And uh, Jessica looked at me and she said, oh no. And uh, Julia had a blowout. And uh, needless to say, that, that white shirt was ruined. There's no fixing that. But I was helping this morning and holding Emily. And she looked at me and then coughed right on me. I, it doesn't bother me in the least. I'm not afraid. I'm not fearful. I'm not going to be naked today and say, I think I'm coming down with something. This is life and living life. And God will meet you according to your faith. You've heard me share the story a few months ago. There, a young man was greeting me in the atrium, and I reached out my hand. He was about to shake my hand, and he let out a great big sneeze. I, he was embarrassed. I laughed. I said, that's no big deal at all. My children do that to me all the time. But Jessica and I, on our way to church this morning, someone we know that pastors passed us, drove by us, and Jessica said, I, I wonder what they're doing. And I, and I told her, I said, well, the last time I looked, they're, they're still not doing church as normal. They're still not doing youth. They're still not doing children's 
ministry. You know, Jesus wasn't afraid of the children. Jesus said, let the little children come unto me. And he did what? He blessed them. You know, it's sad to think that a few weeks ago, you had the Super Bowl, yet in the same city you had the Super Bowl, there are so-called people of faith and they're afraid to gather. And so what did Jesus say? He said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? And our Heavenly Father knows what we really believe by what we do, by our actions. So how can we live with crazy faith in the midst of this crazy world? Romans 10 and verse 8. Romans 10 and verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you. And see, to, to have the peace of God in the days we're living in, to do as Jesus said, to have the kind of life, to live the kind of life where you're heart's not troubled. You got to have the word near you. You got to have the word in you. You got to be hearing the word in the house of God on a regular basis. And then during the week, you got to be hearing the word and opening your Bible and, and reading your Bible. The, the, the Bible is the only thing that can give us peace in the days we're living in. What does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth. Say, my mouth. It is in your mouth and in your heart. Say, say, my heart. So the word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. And this is what ought to be. But so sadly, people, because they're not in the house of God or they're not in a place where they're hearing the word and they're not spending time in the word and they're not saying what God's word says, believing what God's word says, this isn't true in their lives. But this should be true of each of us. The word should be near us. It should be in our hearts and it should be in our mouths. The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith. Say, say the word of faith. And you might, might know somebody and maybe they say, well, you know, Dr. Lingerfeld, where you go, they talk about faith as if that's a bad thing. The word of faith beats the word of negativity. The word of faith meets the word of doubt and unbelief. And where does that phrase come from, the word of faith? From the Apostle Paul. The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we proclaim. So where is the word supposed to be? In your mouth and in your heart. The word is supposed to be in your mouth and in your heart. But how can that be? if you're not hearing the Word of God on a regular basis? How can that be if you're not opening the Word of God to read it and to study it and to meditate upon it on a regular basis? The Word, His Word, His Word is to be in our hearts and in our mouth. And the default for what we should say in any and every situation ought to be His Word. The Word of God proclaim with your mouth. Say, my mouth. That is crazy faith. Now, we call it crazy because so many are doing something else. They're believing what man says. They're believing what the world says. And so to stand with God and his word seems crazy, but it's the least crazy thing around. The word of God proclaimed with your mouth is crazy faith. And it's crazy because the world rejects God and the world rejects the word of God. Noah seemed crazy right up until the day the flood came. 
And Jesus said, as in the days of Noah, so it will be when the Son of Man returns. Peter said, there would be those that scoff, mock, make fun of, and they would say, the Lord is never coming. And so the Bible is clear about this. And so in these days, we've got to be people of faith and say what the Word says. And His Word is supernatural. Even Christians who are too fearful to believe it and to proclaim it consider the Word of God extreme. You know, we did a little video for someone to be a blessing, and my father shared what God has done. But when they showed it, they, they edited nearly everything out of it. But see, even if you go through the Bible and take out the parts you don't like, and take out the parts that seem too extreme or too crazy, it doesn't change the fact that they're still in there. And any man or woman can believe it and say it and take action upon it, and our Heavenly Father will honor it and bring it to pass in their lives. Now, people might consider it crazy, but I sure like to walk in the crazy blessings of God. Number one, crazy faith, it is a proclaimed faith. It's not quiet, it's not silent, it's not fearful. Crazy faith is a proclaimed faith. Deuteronomy 30, beginning in verse 11. Now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. You often hear us say that it's not hard to live for God, it's hard to live for the world. It's hard to do things the world's way or Satan's way. Now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven, so you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and to proclaim it to us so we may obey it, nor is it beyond the sea, so you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. Why? So we may obey it. Say, so that I may obey it. Say, so that I may do it. Say, so that I may live it out. Verse 14, no, the word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart, so you may obey it. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commands, decrees and laws. Then you will live in increase, and the Lord your God will bless you and the land you're entering to possess. So, so it's a choice. And on the one hand, there is life and prosperity. On the other, there is death and destruction. The Apostle Paul said it this way in the New Testament, the wages of sin is death, death and destruction. So there, there's a way that we can go to walk in the blessing of God. Verse 12, it is not up in heaven, so you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. So you don't have to go up to heaven to get your answer or to hear from God. And if you, you read the Bible, there are, there are times when God does something unusual in someone's life, a vision, a dream, an unusual experience. But again, people get into trouble when they go looking for those things. You, know, you don't have to go up into heaven to get your answer or to hear from God. If you brought your Bible, you brought your answer. You brought your Bible, you have your answer sitting in your lap. Just got to open up the Word of God and find the answer for whatever it is you're facing or believing God for. Verse 13, nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it 
and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. So you don't have to run around here and there looking for your answer. And if you do that, you'll get into trouble. And someone will give you what you think is your answer, and it'll lead you astray. Your answer is in the Word of God. So why don't we say this? Say, my answer is in the Word of God. You just got to open it up and spend time in it and ask the Lord for wisdom and direction. So we don't have to run around looking for our answer, your answer, and my answer. In any situation of life, it will come from God and from His Word. And if you're willing and obedient, the Lord will direct your steps. If you walk with God and put Him first, if you're faithful to be in God's house to hear His Word, God will see to it you get your answer. He'll see to it that you get the words you need. He'll even see to it that you get the encouragement that you need. He'll direct your steps to hear the right word at the right time. And your answer, and my answer, it'll come from God and from His Word. The problem, though, so often isn't us hearing the right word. So often when God, when God does get us to the right place at the right time to hear the right word, so often we don't have room for His word, or we don't want to hear it. Or even though we hear it and we know it's true, we hear it and we know that's what we need to do, we, we don't want to do it. We don't want to take action upon it. And the Apostle Paul dealt with that in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 14 when he dealt with how the unspiritual man or woman, the carnal man or woman, they, they receiveth not. And maybe you face that in your life at a time. Maybe you're a parent and you face that with a child, trying to counsel them, give them wisdom and direction. You're, you're trying to talk to them, but they're receiving it not. Or maybe you're a teacher and maybe you've tried to help someone, help a student, tried to talk to them, help them, encourage them, guide them, direct them, and they receiveth it not. Or maybe at the stage of life you're in, you've tried to help someone younger than you. Maybe share with them a lesson you learned, a mistake you made to share with them wisdom, but when you spoke to them, you could tell they were receiving it not. Well, that's bad enough with human advice. But see, people do that with God. And they do that with his word. And that's not how we're to be. To walk in his blessing, we should want to hear what he wants us to do. We should want to hear what his word says and then take action immediately. Deuteronomy 30, verse 14, though the word is near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart so you may obey it. Say, so that I may obey it. So you don't have to run around looking for your word. You don't have to run around looking for your answer. Where is the word supposed to be? Near you, in your heart, and in your mouth. That's where the word is supposed to be, near you, in your home, in your car, in your family, in your mouth, in your heart. Why? So you may obey it. So the answer for whatever the situation, the answer for whatever you're believing God for, the answer for whatever you hope to accomplish, the answer is in your mouth. The word is near you. It is in your heart, and where else? In your mouth. You know, we live in days where people are not ashamed to say whatever the world says, or they're not ashamed to say, to repeat whatever the government says, or a man says, or a, a politician says. So why should we be fearful, or bashful, or afraid to say what God says, and to say what his word says? 
You know, somebody might say, well, this is going around, everyone's going to get it. Why not say what the Word says? Not me, not my family, not my children. We're blessed and we are protected. See, the Word is to be near you, in your heart, and where else? In your mouth. You might say, Austin, I'm afraid to say what the Word says because someone might criticize me. Someone might mock me. Someone might make fun of me. Someone might judge me. Just got to get past it and decide you're going to be willing to believe it and say it so you can walk in God's best. The answer is in your mouth. Say, say my answer is in my mouth. Smile at your neighbor and tell him, say, your answer is in your mouth. Now look at your other neighbor and smile at him and say, my answer is in my mouth. See, what you say or don't say is critical. Proverbs 18 and verse 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So in your life, you are experiencing the fruit, the results of what you have been believing and saying and taking action upon. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So you're experiencing the fruit of what you have said, what you have spoken. Our words have great power. Our words have great authority. Our words can build up or they can tear down. So the answer, friends, is in your mouth. What you say or don't say, it is critical. You know, sometimes you might tell a child or young children, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. You know, sometimes at guest services, it might be helpful if we had duct tape. And that's not just for the new believers, amen? Somebody could have been in church five years, 10 years, 15 years, and used to, used to back in the day when I, when I was growing up. Charles Capps would talk about how people needed to carry around a tape recorder with them to record the words coming out of their mouth. Because somebody might think, they might believe, man, they're full of faith and they're positive, but they don't realize how negative they're being. And we don't, we don't have Sony Walkmans anymore, tape recorders anymore. But you can use your iPhone, record yourself some this week. You use that space up for productive means. And hear the words coming out of your mouth. What you say or don't say, it is critical. Only say what you want. Only say what you desire. Only say what God's word says. And there might be a negative report, but you don't have to repeat it. You don't have to broadcast it. You don't have to put it on Facebook for everyone else to rehearse. Say what you want. Don't say anything that would negate what you want or desire. Don't say anything contrary to what you're believing God for. Your answer to what you desire, to what you're believing God for, to what you're working toward, your answer is in your mouth and in your heart. And what should be in our mouth and in our heart? The Word of God. Or as the Apostle Paul said, the word of faith, that, I, that you are the blessed and the healed of God Almighty. If there's a need, what, what should the word coming out of your mouth be? That he is supplying how many of your needs? All. And in real time, you might, might be wondering how it's going to work, how it's going to happen, what you're going to do. Don't say what you're afraid of. Don't say what you don't want. Don't say what you're fearful of. 
Say what the word says. And my heavenly father, he shall, he will supply how many? All of my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And so you say, hopefully that's not mine, amen. So you say, the money is coming. Say, the answer's on the way. Say, I'm getting stronger. I'm getting healthier. Say, things like, he is quickening my physical, mortal body. Say what you want, not what you don't want. Crazy faith, it is a proclaimed faith. To proclaim means to declare publicly. Kenneth Hagin would say, I have learned this law, that when I boldly confess, then and only then do I possess. I have learned this law, that when I boldly confess, then and only then do I possess. Confession brings possession. And we teach on Mark 11, we deal with this, that we're, we're to pray one time. We're to ask one time and then from that point forward, we're to believe that we receive. And as you believe, you receive, instead of asking again repeatedly, because you keep asking, you're acting as if the Lord didn't hear you. When you keep asking, you're acting as if he didn't answer you. And any parent understands this. When, when our, our children ask us for something, and I, I say, we'll do that, or I say, we'll get that, or I say, we'll, we'll go there, it's done. Don't have to ask me again. Don't have to ask me a second time. And it's the same with our Heavenly Father. We ask once in faith. He hears us. He answers us. The answer's on the way. And from that point forward, we believe we receive. And what's one way you believe you receive? By saying what the Word says. By confessing what the Word says. The money is coming. I'm getting stronger. God is quickening my physical mortal body. That, that, that's how you believe you receive, by getting into agreement with God and with his word. Confession brings possession. And if you'll confess it over time, you will possess it. If you'll confess it over time, you will possess it. Say this, say, what I confess, say, what I boldly confess, I will possess. Psalm 116 and verse 10, David said, I believe Therefore have I spoken. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 13. Paul quotes this and says, We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. We believe and so we speak. We believe and so we say. We believe and so we declare. See, in this day and age we're living in, we ought to be mouthpieces for the word of God. And the word coming out of our mouth, it ought to be his word, not the word of man. The word coming out of our mouth, it ought to be the word of faith. Now, people are full of fear. People are full of doubt and unbelief and negativity and anxiety and depression and every wicked and evil thing. So in these days, we need to be full of faith. And Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? So in your life, say what the Word says. Speak what the Word says. And someone might say, that's crazy. It's the least crazy thing going on in the world today. Our words have dominion. Our words have authority. And like David, we're to have the same spirit of faith. We're to believe and we're to speak. And remember, faith comes by hearing 
So the more you speak it, the more you'll believe it. The more you hear yourself say it, the more you'll believe it. And if you're married, husband, help your wife with this. Wife, help your husband with this. Encourage one another in the Lord. And as I said last Sunday, as the family, the body of Christ, we're to encourage each other and to say what the Word says. The more you hear it, the more you'll believe it. The more you hear yourself say it, the more you'll believe it. And we can help each other with this too. Amen? David had a speaking faith. And you and I must have a speaking faith. Crazy faith, it is a proclaimed faith. You have to say it out loud. Tell your neighbor, say, say it out loud. Tell your other neighbor, say, speak it out loud. And again, the world we live in, they, they are not ashamed of all the nonsense they're putting out on satellite, waves, and Facebook, social media. So why, why should we be ashamed of the Word of God? The other day, I picked up Sophie from cheer practice, and I had some old music going. And I was playing DC Talk in my car, and the song was Jesus Freak. And Sophie didn't understand what that meant, and I had to explain that to her, that when we were growing up, that, that, that was considered cool, that the world may consider you a freak, but we're Jesus freaks. And so again, in this wicked world in which we live, the world may think we're crazy or nuts, but we're the least crazy thing going on. We should all have book of Acts boldness. We should not be ashamed of God or of his word. Crazy faith, it is a proclaim faith. It means to to declare openly and publicly. Throughout the Psalms, David wrote, come, glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. And Psalm 34 and verse 3 is just one example. So we glorify and we exalt God by confessing his word is true in our lives. In our confession, it's to be public. To proclaim means to extol, to praise, to lift up, to glorify. So you got to speak it. You've got to say it. You've got to declare it. And you might say, Austin, that, that's crazy. That's nuts. What will people think? But our Heavenly Father always backs up His Word. And we, we live in a blessed place. And thank God we live in Texas, which is more conservative than other places. But even, even here in Texas, they shut down churches. Even here in Texas, they for a period of time, for a few weeks, they shut down churches while they kept liquor stores open and we have an opportunity to vote and so this is a reminder that how we vote matters and it's not just governor or national elections local elections matter you know who's on the local school board that matters you know our even our our governor he pretends to be conservative but he was proud of his margaritas to go initiative during the lockdown See, the world's not ashamed of what they're doing. I I would say margaritas to go during the lockdown, that's crazy. But coming to church, gathering together, people seeing each other, encouraging each other, that's not crazy. That's the safest thing going on. So crazy faith, it is a proclaimed faith. And if you're crazy enough to say what the Word says, if you're crazy enough to say what God says, He'll back it up. And so I remember during those few weeks that even here in Texas, things were shut down. We did the Holy Week revival, and my father stood here in the pulpit, and he said that this 
pestilence would pass us right on by. He said that in the midst of all of this, that we would pay off Faith Christian Center. That seemed crazy. That seemed nuts. I'm sure somebody was sitting home in their pajamas, eating their popcorn, thought, that's nuts. That's crazy. But see, what we boldly confess, we will possess. And see, this plague, this pestilence passed us all right on by. Not a single member of Faith Christian Center died from that. Amen. Amen. And anybody that's faced it has overcome. And in the midst of all that insanity, we didn't go backwards. In the midst of all that craziness, everything was paid off. But what if he had stood here and said, I don't know what we're going to do? What if he had stood here and said, I don't know if we'll ever have church in person again? Which you boldly say you will possess. And so you might be thinking, well, in my life, I'm possessing some things I don't want to possess. You got to change what you're saying. You got to change what you're speaking. You got to change the words coming out of your mouth. When we were little, this was uh, dialed into us in children's church. And so you might have heard my father share stories about how when they would have us in the car and my mom and dad would be talking that there would be times where Christine and I would say, is that what you want? So we, we've all got to police ourselves. And if you're married, you've got to help your spouse police themselves and maybe ask your children to help you out. Amen. Respectfully, but ask them to help you out. Crazy faith, it is a proclaimed faith. And what we boldly confess, we will possess. Matthew 12, beginning in verse 34, Jesus said, you brood of vipers, how can you are evil, who are evil say anything good? Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. The evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. You know, there is a theology out there that leads people to believe that it doesn't matter what we do or how we live or what we say. But in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Word of God refers to the record books of heaven. And yes, there is the book of life, but there are also other books, and there are record books. And Jesus said, verse 36, I tell you, men will have to give an account on that day of judgment for every. Say every. Well, this is sobering. So that's why I said maybe we ought to have duct tape at guest services. We'll have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. That's not just true in the next life, that's true in this life. We, we reap the fruit of what we say. Yes, in eternity, but also in this life. Again, Proverbs 18:21: death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. So repent of any careless words. Repent of any sloppy words or hurtful words or negative words or mean words. Paul in the New Testament speaks about malice. That's using your tongue to hurt someone. That's using your tongue to tear someone down. Repent of any careless words. Stop speaking careless words. 
Remember the wilderness generation in the Old Testament and all their negativity and grumbling and complaining. The Lord told them in Numbers 14, 28, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. Now that's frightening. That's sobering. Again, if, and you're like, I've, I've got one in my attic. I'm going to break out that Sony Walkman. But if you had a tape recorder, if you carried it around with you all year, recorded yourself on your iPhone, how frightening would it be for the Lord to say, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. So we, we reap the fruit of what we say, not just in eternity, but in this life. Matthew 12, 37, Jesus said, for by your words, you will be acquitted, or by your words, you will be condemned. So your answer, it's in your mouth. And maybe, maybe you've used your tongue, your mouth in a very negative way. You can turn that around. You can be kind with the words coming out of your mouth. You can be gracious and encouraging with the words coming out of your mouth. And instead of being negative and full of doubt and unbelief, you can use your mouth to say what the word says. Your prosperity, your blessing, and your healing, your victory, it is in your mouth. Say, my answer is in my mouth. Say, my prosperity is in my mouth. Say, my healing is in my mouth. Say, well, we just got to lift up our eyes. I watched, because of the weather Thursday, we were at home, and so I watched the funeral memorial service for missionary Becky Smith. And they, they had her father speak. Great man of God, served his entire life in the ministry. I believe he's 96 years old. Clear, sharp, all of his faculties. So you got to lift up your eyes to what's possible. That you're, you're strong. You're, you're healthy that your mind is strong, your mind is healthy. You have your full capabilities. And we're not going to go out in some state where we don't know what's going on. Amen. And if the Lord tarries, we're going to be strong in the Lord, like Joshua and Caleb. But if you grumble or complain or have a negative mouth, if you say what the world says, well, you're going to get negative results. And parents, mom or dad, if you're single, mom or dad, or parents, in your home, you're the first line of defense. In your home, you're the first line of defense. And you're responsible for what goes on in your home. You're responsible for what goes on. And that includes every word, whether said or typed or emailed or Instagrammed. You're responsible. And in your home, you're the first line of defense. Jesus said in Mark 3, beginning in verse 25, if a house is divided against itself, the house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house. What kind of man's house? A strong man. And see, in this weak, sissy, fearful culture, what is needed is strong men of God and strong women of God to stand for what's right and to stand for what's true. And that's not just out there in the world, but it's first where? In the home. No one can enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can rob his house. So in your home, mom, dad, parents, 
You're the first line of defense, and you're responsible for what goes on. You're responsible for every word, and not just the words that are spoken. You know, if the bedroom door's shut and it's being blasted out on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok, whatever it is, you're responsible for that too. You know, the world is nuts. You know, I remember when I went to college and, you know, I just assumed that because my parents paid the bills, they should know my grades. But, you know, from the world's perspective, you're, you're 18, you know, your grades are your business, and even if mom or dad are paying the bills, they, they have no, no right to see what the grades are. Well, they do if they're paying the bills. So you just got to throw out all that worldly thinking. Well, that, that's their room. That's their sacred. No, it's your house. And it, even if they're 25 or 28 still living at home, that's your house, and that's your room. Once, a few years ago, when we were figuring out whether to buy or to build and walking through that whole process, we were interviewing a builder, and he showed us a home in Fort Worth, and a nice home, but we were just amazed because the whole time walking through the house, the mom was apologetic because she had a son in his late 20s who lived at home. Thankfully, he wasn't there then. But there was damage throughout the house because he was a pothead. And he would get into drunken, drug-fueled rages and do damage in the house. You know, well, you can't come this way. There are holes in the wall. No! This generation needs strong men and strong women. And in your home, you are the first line of defense. You are responsible for what goes on. You are responsible for what is permitted or allowed. And the faith level in your home is something you're responsible for. Is your home full of the word? That's your responsibility. Is your home full of peace and joy and worship? That's your responsibility. The faith level in your home is the result of what people in your home have been listening to and watching and reading and doing and saying. Deuteronomy 6, beginning in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Even if they don't want to hear it, impress them on your children. Even if they roll their eyes at you, impress them on your children. Even if you told them yesterday, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. That is all the time. You know, sometimes people have the perspective that if they, they bring them to church and bring them to school or bring them to church and bring them to youth, they're done, they're off the hook. See, we, we live in wicked days and the world is after children. The world makes us feel bad for wanting to lead people to Christ who is the answer. But the world is after converting people to darkness and wickedness and perversion. And so we have to teach these things to our children all the time. All the time. Tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. I got into an interesting discussion with my ninth grade New Testament students in the last week or two, dealing with the church of Corinth and 
cultural things. But it boiled down to this, in the home, you have to decide what you're going to permit or allow. And the world is confused. So there should be no confusion in the home of the righteous. So when children indicate that they want to do ungodly things or wicked things or head down ungodly roads, you have to take your stand then and say, no, not in my house. You're not going to do that. You're not going to hang out with them. You're not going to have that. That's not going to be permitted. You got to take your stand. And part of this goes back to you're the parent. They're the child. You cannot parent them as if they're your best friend. There'll be times you'll upset them. There'll be times you'll, they'll be mad at you, upset at you. There'll be times, as my father has shared, they might shut a door a little too hard. That's why you can, they got door hinges. You can take that door off. You're the first line of defense. So you just have to choose that you're not going to allow certain things to go on your home. And you've got to be in charge of that when it comes to the technology. The technology, it is a world full of evils. And yes, it can be used for good. It can be used to do things like share the gospel. But the, the technology, it is a world full of evils. And it doesn't take a young person long looking at the wrong things to head down certain roads and to be messed up. So you, you're the parent. You've got to be the sheriff in the home. Now, why do all this? Because your faith level will not rise any higher than your knowledge of the word. And in your home or family or in your life, if you don't have God's results, well, what results do you have? You have the world's results. So if you want God's best, you've got to do what the word says. Is God's word in your home? Is praise and worship in your home? So again, let me, let me make it plain. You know, we were dealing with the church of Corinth and cultural issues in that time or in that place. You know, I got an email from Target in the last few weeks of uh, whatever they call it, gender-neutral clothing. We're not doing any of that in the Lingerfeld house. And, uh, you know, somebody may call it old-fashioned. Samuel wants a pink shirt. The answer is no. So you got to decide what you're going to permit or allow. Because once you open the door and give Satan a, a room for his toe, pretty soon he's got his leg and half his body through the door. And the New Testament says, don't give him any place. So you've got to decide what you're going to permit or you're going to allow. I, I could really get off on this. i got to watch the time. So pay attention to having the Word of God in your home. Pay attention to what people in your home are listening to or watching. Pay attention to what people in your home are reading. Pay attention to what people in your home are doing. You want God's best, that's what you have to do. Moses warned the people of God, Deuteronomy 11, verse 16, be careful. Smile at your neighbor, say, be careful. Be careful. Tell your other neighbor, say, be careful. Be careful or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. Then the Lord's anger will burn against you and he will shut the heavens so that it will not rain and the ground will yield 
no produce, and you will soon perish from the good land the Lord is giving you. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land the Lord swore to give your forefathers, as many as the days that are the heavens are above the earth. If you carefully observe all these commands I'm giving you to follow, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to hold fast to him, the Lord will drive out all these nations before you. You will dispossess nations larger and stronger than you. Every place where you set your foot will be yours. Verse 25, no man will be able to stand against you. The Lord, as he promised you, will put terror and fear of you on the whole land wherever you go. See, I'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today. The curse if you disobey the commands of the Lord your God and turn from the way that I command you today, that by following other gods which you have not known. You, you might be a little bit in shock right now. But if you don't deal with it when they're 10 or 12 or 14 or 16, it'll be worse when they're 25. So you got to draw the line and stand for what's right and stand for what's true and stand for what's holy and stand for what's pure. And you might say, oh, Austin, that's just these eccentricities, they don't matter. If you give the world a foothold, soon it'll be more than that. He doesn't say be careless. No, he says be careful. Verse 16, be careful. Be careful. Be careful. You know, as careful as my parents were, I wish they were more careful with me. Be careful. Be careful. You know, Sophie will ask, when am I getting a phone? Someday when you're married and you have a house of your own. <laughs> Once my parents had a minister friend, and I loved it. They had those like Nextel walkie-talkies. That's what our family is going to have. <laughs> you know, click, where are you? No Facebook, no Instagram, no TikTok. Oh, they must not think you're very cool. I don't care what they think. I'm in charge. Got to draw the line. Got to hold the line. Be careful. Be careful, be careful, be careful. Or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. So if you want God's best, don't live carelessly. And don't be careless with your words. And don't be careless with what you permit or allow in your home. If you want God's best, you got to do things God's way. Look at verse 21 in the King James. They'll put it on the screen that your days may be multiplied and the days of your children and the land the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. And that's what my parents learned from Kenneth Hagin, that we can have days of heaven upon the earth if we'll do things God's way. Live life God's way and you'll have days of heaven upon the earth. Be a doer of the word. You'll have days of heaven upon the earth. Say what the word says. Not whatever negative thing you're thinking. Say what the word says and you'll have days of heaven upon the earth. 
So crazy faith, it is a proclaimed faith. Deuteronomy 30, verse 14, the word is near you. Say, say near me. So you got to deposit the word of God into your life. We do that on Sundays, we do that on Wednesdays, but that's not enough. During the week, you got to deposit the word into your life by hearing the word and spending time in the word. The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. So you got to get it in your mouth so you may obey it. Got to live it out. Got to be the real deal in 2022 and not just come to church and not just say it, believe it. Got to do it. Got to live it out. Your answer is in your mouth. Your victory, your health, your healing, your blessing, it is in your mouth. Say, my answer is in my mouth. And some of them might say, Austin, this is crazy. It works. And if you'll live life God's way and say what the Word says, it doesn't matter what the world's doing. You'll do things God's way. Say what the Word says. You can have days of heaven upon the earth. What is that? Peace. While there's, the world is full of terror and craziness and evil. Peace and the blessing of God. Please bow your heads. You might be here today and you don't know the Lord. And you don't, you don't have peace in your heart. You don't have peace in your life. Friend, peace can only be found by asking Jesus Christ to be the Lord and the Savior of your life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. There, there is no other way by which we can be saved. There is no other way by which we can have peace with God. Jesus, he is the way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And he, he's standing at the door of your life. He's knocking. But you have to open the door. You have to ask him to come in and to be a part of your life. You have to ask him to come in and to be your Lord and your Savior. You might be here today and say, Austin, I've never done that. I've never asked Jesus into my heart, but I want to. I want to give my life to him. I want to be a part of the family of God. I want to have peace with God. If that's you this morning, wherever you're seated, raise your hand so I'll see it and I'll know. You want me to pray with you? Say, Austin, pray with me. I want to have peace with God. I want to know God. I want to be a part of the family of God. You might also be here today and at a time in your life you prayed a prayer, you walked an aisle, but you know you've not been living for God. You've been doing your own thing and you've paid a price. You have had great trouble, great difficulty. Your life has no peace. The Bible says the mercies of God are new every morning. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful. He is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can have a new beginning. You can have a fresh start. If you're here today and say, Austin, that's me. I know I'm not right with God, but I want you to pray with me. I want to leave here today knowing that I have peace with God. If that's you, wherever you're seated, raise your hand high, raise it clear so I'll know you want me to pray with you might be watching online now or later, and you say, Austin, I don't know the Lord, but I want to. I want to be a part of the family of God. Or you might say, I, I want to recommit my life. Pray the simple prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I come to you 
in the name of Jesus. And I repent of my sins. And I ask Jesus to be my Lord, be my Savior. I give my life to you. Thank you for welcoming me into your family. Thank you for a new beginning and a fresh start. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, watching or listening now or later, go to the address on the screen. We want to be a blessing to you. We'll send you a short book by my father. It'll help you get started in living the Christian life. Well, I hope the message was a blessing and encouragement to you. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.